Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Wednesday. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, great selection of new and pre-owned inventory. And... A sales staff that is there for you to get you the right sale that you're looking for that fits your budget. All backed up by a service department that is second to none with the diagnostics, the inspections, all the routine maintenance ready for you. Still looking for those more technicians. Still looking for more of those technicians, by the way. And you can find out about that at sunburymotors.com. But all of it, part of the Sunbury Motors guarantee. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. So it is a Wednesday, so that means Steve running a little bit behind schedule, as they say, because he's got a quarterback club with James Franklin and the gang. So we'll hear from him a little bit from the Sunbury Motors studio in just a little bit. But we got a loaded show, loaded the rest of the week. Today, 134, we're all about Penn State, Ohio State, pretty much the rest of the way here this week. We'll, of course, continue the Phillies talk. I'll get to that in a second. But today, the voice of Ohio State, Paul Keels at 135, then Scranton Times Tribune's Donnie Collins at 206. Then tomorrow's show, we'll start off the show with a little Bucknell football. They picked up a pretty nice win against Cornell for their second win of the year, 2-4. and four. They resume Patriot League play Saturday at Christie Matthewson Memorial Stadium when Lehigh comes to town. Another tough matchup for the Bison, but that was a nice win against Cornell. So head coach Dave Giacchini is going to join us at 115 uh, tomorrow. And then at 206, it's our high school football roundtable. As Steve mentioned yesterday, a lot of positives with everybody winning. On our side of things here with our SPC teams, Lewisburg, Seals Grove, Shikalemi, everybody winning this week. So we'll get into that and preview this week's games. Chickalemi's got Mount Carmel at home on Friday night. Seals Grove hosts Montoursville. And Lewisburg's got Bloomsburg at home this week. So that'll be 2.06 tomorrow. And then the Kings going to join us at 2.35 tomorrow as well for our picks. Mightier from Eagles Radio's Glenn Mack now tomorrow. We'll keep you up to date about that. Still trying to see if we can figure out a, a time to get him in. If not, maybe we'll try him next week. So we got a loaded show coming up the next couple of days, including today. So looking forward to that. 
As for the Phillies last night, I mean, what can I tell you? I mean, I think it was um, Jeff pa- Jeff Jeff Passan at uh, ESPN that said the Phillies are a machine. That's pretty true right now, in terms of the way their starting pitching has just been led by, of course, Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, who was just brilliant again last night for the Phillies. 0.96 ERA now through his first three postseason starts, and Zach Wheeler's pretty close to that. Just setting up the bullpen, and then the offense, just the way it's just been jumping out on teams. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then the long ball, just breaking records left and right. I mean, again last night, this time it's two batters in. Trey Turner goes deep. Schwarber hits two bombs. And then they explode in the sixth and seventh innings to pull away. It went 10 nothing. So you've won these first two games by a combined score of 15-3 to before you had to Arizona. Uh, the Phillies just continue to have themselves in an awfully, awfully good spot. And my original prediction was Phillies in six. Because I do think the D-backs are a good team. But, man, especially after the way things went last night, there's. I think there's a very good chance you can bring out the brooms. I'm serious. I think at the very most, this will go five. I don't see this series coming back to Philly. I really don't. Next time it will come back to Philly, it's going to be for a World Series game. We'll see if it's game one or game three, depending on who wins the ALCS. Right now, it's looking like it would be a game three. I believe, because I think the Rangers would have home field advantage right now. And, of course, they took the first two in Houston. So the Phillies are just in an awfully good spot by now. That was a tremendous play by the former Williamsport crosscutter Alec Bohm last night at third base in the third inning. This team just has that it factor, and... It's it's amazing how they've kind of carried that into this from last year's run into this year's run, and they just look even better because of that ad- addition of Trey Turner and the emergence of some of the younger guys like a Bohm, like a Bryson Stott. Uh, it truly is unbelievable how they've gotten that bullpen deeper than what it's been. I mean, it is truly unbelievable what the Phillies are doing right now. So they're off tonight as they travel to Phoenix. Game three tomorrow at Chase Field. Game 4 would be Friday. And Game 5, if necessary, would be Saturday. Of course, all those games on Eagle 107. So, big win for the Phillies last night. The ALCS does resume today. I believe tonight, in fact. As that series now shifts to Texas. That's a 8:03 first pitch tonight. But Texas up two games to none. So the next thing I wanted to get to, I mentioned in my rant of the day, one of my rants of the day yesterday, about the kind of surprising irresponsibleness of Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson in the way they ripped James Franklin during their broadcast of Michigan-Indiana last week during their big noon kickoff game. Well, Steve mentioned, which I didn't see at first, that Joel Klatt did come out with a apology for his comments about that. And 
I have that audio, so I'm going to play that now just so you fully hear what Joel Klatt actually had to say from, from the man himself and kind of retracting what he said about James Franklin. There was something brought up on the broadcast, and I just don't like the way that I handled it. It was brought up that James Franklin had had talked in a, in a press conference about scheduling, and he gave a, a long and and thoughtful answer about scheduling and at one point had had insinuated you know there was one part of the 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 quote that insinuated like hey we got teams in this conference that are buying out of contracts in the non-conference buying out of a tough game to just go play uh not a tough game because the point he was trying to make is that undefeated is really the goal not necessarily strength of schedule which is not what the intent of the playoff was in its four-team format at its inception and his point is correct he gave a much more thoughtful answer than than just the the quote that i referred to i want to be transparent enough with you the listener the viewer and the fan of college football you deserve to know when i feel like i wasn't at my best what i said on the broadcast was not my best so there you go he posted that on x yesterday so, I, I, like I said, I didn't see that at first, and now that I saw it today, I thought it would be good to play the audio, a little bit of that. It was like a full two-minute clip. That was about half of what he said yesterday. But to get the gist, he, he, understood, he, under, he, uh, understa- he understood that he messed up there and, to his credit, put that statement out yesterday. And he's absolutely right in everything that James Franklin said, and we talked about that. But I still don't think this fully excuses him and Gus Johnson, who I haven't heard anything from him about this, because he's the one that actually brought it up. He said that, well, James Franklin said that nobody's playing, Michigan's not playing anybody. He's the one that actually brought it up on the broadcast. So the fact we didn't hear anything from him, I think, is uh, a little bit curious. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, every broadcast team, these guys especially get access to all the team's media availabilities the week leading to each game that they do. So that means you have access to the audio, you have access to the transcripts afterwards, you have access to players, they have their own production meetings during the week. And most of you know most of you know these things. So and during the week, usually these guys are listening to the sports conversations these these shows like these they're they're reading the newspapers and the online forums about what's going on with each teams each week so i still don't understand how they missed this because almost like i said the other day almost every penn state writer went after that athlon report and mentioned that 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 was taken way out of context. This is what James Franklin meant to say. And James Franklin even responded to that with most of the people that were there at that Wednesday press conference afterwards that he always has every week. So, like I said, it's one thing to just take that quote and run with it on the first hand. It's the second thing to see that quote and run with it, despite that you see other reports out there that are refuting it. I mean, that's as irresponsible as it gets. And like I said, everyone makes mistakes. And again, I give credit for Joel Klatt for coming out. I thought what he, I thought his statement was very professional and was right on point. So I, I don't want to take that away from him.
But at the same time, media covering college football because of the way the NIL landscape is nowadays and, and how much more tense recruiting is getting because of the way things are in college football now, you can ill afford to make mistakes like this because perceptions out there that you put out there that are wrong and people are still going to take that. There's people out there that won't take the time to look into exactly what James Franklin said. They'll just read the headline, click it, and then go off about it and just assume that's what he said or that's what he meant. That can't happen today in college football. So the margin for error for people covering college football on the I should say mostly on the on the power on the division one level and more on the the power five type level power four I guess in this case is really really small because somebody's perception of something that was said wrong or not can change the complexion of what's happening at least just from my viewpoint and what I've seen from 30,000 feet I could be a little bit off base about that but that's just what I've been seeing because recruiting has just gotten crazy, crazy tense the last few years. And it's going to continue to ramp up that way. Heck, one of the things we're talking about this week, we talked a little bit about it yesterday. Drew Aller going back to Ohio and going through his whole experience of being recruited, which, as I said yesterday, to me, really wasn't much of anything. He, Penn State, did their homework the best, got out ahead of everybody, got to the kid, he committed, he never took away the commitment. He stuck with Penn State, and look where he is right now. That's the way it is now. So, But I just wanted you to hear that, that audio from him after talking about that yesterday. And of course, with Penn State, Ohio State this week being the big noon kickoff, you will be hearing... Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt on the call on Saturday. Which I think behooved him even more to come out with that statement, and I would like to have seen Gus Johnson do the same thing. Especially when he was the one that brought it up in the first place. So, there's that. So in a little bit, hopefully we'll get with Steve as he returns from the quarterback club this week. Penn State, Ohio State, of course. Everybody's antsy, ready to go for kickoff. The game will be over on Eagle 107, 1030 with the tailgate show, noon kickoff, of course, with Steve and Jack, Roger, and the rest of the gang from the Horseshoe. And we'll talk to the voice of Ohio State, Paul Keels, coming up at 135 as well. Then Donnie Collins at 206 today. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Key on Routes 11 and 15, Humble's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Your questions, too, about the game, 570-743-9565. Back after this, you're on the Steve Jones Show. Want to work for a stable yet growing company? Got it. Want to work for a family-owned business with over 100 years' experience in taking care of customers and employees? Got it. Want to work for a leader in selling more cars and satisfying more customers? Got it. Who has all that? 
SMC Sunbury Motor Company is looking for technicians across all their departments. Whether you're an entry-level technician, an experienced technician, or someone looking for a career change, Sunbury Motors would love to hear from you. They're looking for technicians for their quick lane, car and light truck service, heavy truck service, body shop, and frame and alignment division. You can apply online at sunburymotors.com, in person at our North 4th Street location, or call Todd at 570-286-7746. Your new career of working on Fords, Kias, Hyundais, Western Star Trucks, plus anything that fits in the door, and some things that don't. Join Sunbury Motors. Your new career is waiting for you. One half hour in the books on this Wednesday here on the Steve Jones Show. Steve should be back from quarterback club once we return. And we will return with the voice of Ohio State, Paul Keels. Then Donnie Collins from the Scranton Times Tribune at 2.06 today. Looking forward to that as we get set for Penn State, Ohio State. It's officially game week for the game in the horseshoe on Saturday afternoon at noon. We're going behind enemy lines next. Here on the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Oh, you're shocked the quarterback club ran over today. I don't, understand, I don't, I don't know why it would. <laughs> you know, it's a fairly big game this week. Well, seriously, a lot of it wasn't about, like, a lot of it was about football and not about, like, the game, but. You'd have to be there, though. No. All right. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory, all with great warranties. Fabulous pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee and the terrific service department that backs it up every step of the way. Difficult to routine. They handle it all. At Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Under the category of uh, it doesn't get any better than this guy on and off the broadcast, because he's just one of the great guys out there, and that is my good friend Paul Keels, the voice of Ohio State. Hello, sir. How is the great one today? Well, you know, it's just always an honor to be in the presence of a guy that is such a skilled golfer that he can tee off and mash the ball so hard that the head comes flying off of his driver. <laughs> Third hole, foul course, it goes flying off. Paul looks over and he says, that wasn't the ball, was it? I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we teed off with a six iron the rest of the day. <laughs> a memorable day on the golf course in Bloomington, Indiana. You and I had a blast that day. A blast. Absolutely. Absolutely. All's good here. Hope all's good there. All's good here, my friend. Uh, so there's certain things you don't know until they really start playing game in and game out. 
Drew Aller, we've seen that with Penn State. You've now seen a game in and game out with Kyle McCord. What have you thought watching him and the maturation of him? You know, Steve, it's been a growing process, as you would imagine. I mean, this is a guy that had a lot of backup snaps in mop-up duty with the exclusion of one start a couple of years ago against Akron. But what you've seen is a guy that has had to grow into the position. He's had some rough stretches, but when they've really needed him, case in point, fourth quarter on the road at Notre Dame, he's been able to make the plays that he's needed to make. It, It doesn't hurt that you have receivers like Marvin Johnson and Mecca Abuka when healthy, Julian Fleming, Cade Stover, and running backs when healthy that can provide that kind of a threat. But he really has grown into where we've seen him become a poised quarterback. You've seen a lot of great receivers at Ohio State, the David Bostons. I can go through the long list. Uh, But Marvin is now third all-time in 100-yard receiving games. I believe he's at 11 now. When you look at him, based on the fact that you have looked at so many quality receivers over the years, what makes him special? You know, Steve, you'll laugh at this because early on in the game at Purdue last week, he dropped a pass that he normally catches. I mean, it right. hit him right in the hands and just try. And Jim Lachey and I just looked at one of those like, can you believe that just happened? Yeah. He's a guy that, that just does all the things that everybody from an opposing team is worried that he'll do, even though they know it's coming. He's a guy that runs incredible routes. He makes just those incredible sticky finger catches. Um, he's got the ability to get to separate from defensive backs and just has become consistent. And, and his presence certainly has helped open the door for others when he's drawn double coverage. But he, without question, he is truly one of the best that we've seen come along the path here at Ohio State. And you know what? This is going to be a game where we're going to see a lot of tight ends. Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren. Cade Stover made a big play against Penn State last year. It seems like every game I watch, he makes a big play. You talked about the domino effect of Marvin Harrison. What does Cade Stover mean in that domino effect? Well, he's been a guy, Steve, that has done all of the things that fit the job description of a tight end. He's blocked incredibly well. Yeah. He's he's made great catches. He's run good routes. He's He's made great yardage after the catch. And we've seen that this year in a couple of instances. But he's really become a good leader on this football team. You know, this is a guy who a couple of years ago was playing some linebacker because of the situation they had on that side of the football. Came back. He he could have left and tried the pro route after last season. But a guy that just uh, – he does all of those things that you need a tight end to do. But much like the two guys at Penn State that you talked about, he's a guy that can make things happen after he gets the ball in his hands. You mentioned linebacker Jack Ham. Can't say enough about Tommy. Uh, and then I can't say enough about Steel Chambers, who had been a running back at one point and was flipped over. When you look at the two of them, what do they do to stabilize the Ohio State defense? Well, Tommy Eichenberg, and it's no surprise that Jack likes uh, Tommy the way he yeah. plays because yep. he plays a lot like Jack did. Um, you know, he's he's the quarterback out there. He sees everything that happens. He gets people lined up. He's a big, strong, physical guy that, that can move very well to get into positions. And Steel Chambers, because of that ability, as you mentioned, having been a running back, he's a guy that can cover a lot of territory. And, and you know who's making the push to get some of those reps now is Cody Simon. Yes. Even though they generally play just two linebackers, he's a guy that if they go to a third or he's gotten some of the reps that Steel Chambers has had. And Cody's a guy that dealt with some injuries a couple of years ago, but has really 
help them uh, in, in many different situations uh, and makes additional special teams plays there. So it's it's a group that really has been a big part of why this defense has improved. One of the biggest things they had to do this year, Steve, was limit the opponent getting explosive plays, and, and mm-hmm. they've been able to do that in large part because of the way those guys have played. Look, I know Denzel Burke is a terrific corner, but the guy I keep looking at all the time when I'm watching video is the sixth-year guy, Josh Proctor. What has his presence meant back at that safety spot for what Jim wants to do? A lot. Uh, you know, experience, as you said. But keep in mind, too, Josh is a guy that uh, two two years ago broke his leg in a game yeah. against Oregon that they lost. Last year, lost his starting job during the first game of the season. He let a big play get out of the gate against Notre Dame and could have, again, tried to pursue the pro route after last year, but his comeback has been a leader. Jim Knowles' defense is really kind of heavily safety-oriented, and Josh Proctor, along with Lathan Ransom, have been a big part of that. You know, you think about the Maryland game a couple of weeks ago when Ohio State needed a big play. Offense was kind of stuck in the mud. Maryland was really making some things happen. Josh Proctor gets a big six, and, and, and that pick six just changed the whole momentum of that football game. When you watched Ohio State play Notre Dame, and you knew it was going to be a four-quarter game, it was going to go the last few minutes, what did Ohio State show you in all three phases that made that a win for Ohio State? Well, and it's funny you mentioned three, Steve, because there was a punt that got Notre Dame pinned deep, even though the Irish drove downfield. But defensively, what they, they had a, a, a one, maybe two crucial stops of Notre Dame on fourth downs. One that was right down around the goal line mm-hmm. that could have changed the momentum of that football game. The defense got the ball back for the offense when it looked like Notre Dame had an opportunity to try and grind the clock out. Surprisingly, Notre Dame was running some pass plays when they needed to chew the clock, and they weren't doing it. The defense got the ball back, and then you saw, you know, and this was, this goes back to what we were talking about with Kyle McCord, Steve. Their last possession, both first and second downs, he tries to throw the ball to Travion Henderson out of the backfield. Bad misses. But then he's able to really rein it in. Big pass play to Marvin Harrison, who had been hurt earlier. Big pass mm-hmm. play to Xavier Johnson. A crucial fourth down catch by Julian Fleming. And then a ball thrown to Emeka Ibuka that gets him down at the one-yard line and sets up the game winner for Chip Trainum. So it showed you that in a difficult situation in front of a difficult crowd, this was a team that could make the plays they needed to. Uh, the way Ryan Day talked, there was no panic. They still had confidence that they, they could get themselves in a position to win the football game. And that's exactly what they did. Glad you mentioned Xavier Johnson in that answer because there's certain guys that will fly under the radar that are important to a team winning games. What do you see in Xavier Johnson in his own way that helps Ohio State win games? That he will do whatever is asked of him. This is a guy that that came to Ohio State as a walk-on. I, I believe Steve, he the only scholarships offers he had coming out of Cincinnati uh, were to Ivy League schools. Uh, worked as a cornerback for a while, excelled on special teams, and then last year really burst onto the scene. He caught a, a go-ahead touchdown at home against Notre Dame. He had a long TD run against Indiana, caught a TD against Georgia in the playoffs, and a guy that they, could, they last week with the injuries at running back, they used him running the football. He's a guy that can go out there and catch passes, still plays out there on special teams, just one of those young men that will do whatever is asked of him. Uh, last year when Travion Henderson got hurt, and Maya Williams played most of the game, and Henderson played some of the game against Penn State, but down the stretch, Dallin Hayden had to play. 
I know the plan that Ryan and his staff have. They would idealistically love to redshirt him, but they played him last week. I mean, you've got four games to play with him uh, in the regular season. What kind of running back is he, and where is he even a little bit better this year than he was as a true freshman? You know, he and he'd only played in one game prior to last week at Purdue. Right. Um, he's a guy that he just seems to have a little different acceleration to get to the hole than some of the other running backs have. And, and again, it was out of necessity last week. Both Henderson and Williams did not even play in the game. Williams didn't even make the trip. Trainum got hurt with what appeared to be a concussion in the first half. So Dallin came in there, and, a guy, and he had not had a carry prior to last week. He just seems to have a unique ability to play off the blocks and, and have a real good recognition of where the holes are. His ball security has been good. His pass protection needs some help. But he just really was able to answer the bell. This is a guy that, you know, last year he was able to come in. He had a 100-yard game with three touchdowns at Maryland and help mm-hmm. Ohio State win a game. They barely hung on to win the week before the Michigan game. Uh, and then we really didn't see him against either Michigan or against Georgia last year. But, uh, I, you know, the plan still, if possible, to redshirt him. But as Ryan Day mentioned in his press conference yesterday, they'll talk with Dallin, see how things play out, and do what's best for the football team. Now, a lot of that's going to have to do with how available Henderson and Williams are and, and what the status is with training. But it, it just it was amazing to see a guy that's number four on the depth chart, but he was there and he was ready when called upon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Penn State fans, of course, know all about JTT. He was the game wrecker last year. But what about the guy on the other side, Sawyer? Uh, What does it mean having him over there as a balance for JTT? Well, you know, and those two have been subject of a lot of talk around here because the sack numbers haven't been what people would expect. They're now up to 10 sacks now, but I think when you consider having played Purdue and Maryland, that kind of got it healthy a little bit. And then the sack numbers are probably down because they've been one of the best in the nation and not letting up explosive plays. They've not allowed a play over 40 yards. They've only allowed four plays of 30 or more yards. But what those two do, Tui Moloow and Sawyer at defensive ends, they play well off of one another. They take advantage of what the guys in the middle, like Mike Hall and Ty Hamilton and Ty Lee Williams do. And because some of the teams early on, especially in the, some of the non-conference games, uh, were getting rid of the ball early. Indiana in week one was running some triple option while they were trying to figure out who they were going to use at quarterback. But, you know, what everybody's really looking for from both Tui Moloow and Sawyer is consistency. I mean, Jalen, he had a career in one game there in State College last yeah, year. I uh, noticed. <laughs> He's he shown some flashes of that. He, he had a play at Notre Dame where he got back there and almost had another pick six like he had last year in State College. It's just seeing it consistently from both of them. Sawyer's a little more of a big, physical, bruising defensive end. Tui Molo has got athletic ability. He was an outstanding high school basketball player. So they have different skill sets that allow them to really complement one another on each of those end spots. Are you sensing that this is more the type of defense that Jim Knowles has wanted to play? I think so, although although he's talked about, Steve, what he'd like to do is maybe blitz a little more, yeah. um, and they haven't just because they've been concerned about letting things out the gate on the back end. Um, and, and they're not, and, and you can relate to this because of your experience with Larry Johnson, they're not rotating as many defensive linemen as right. you normally have seen them do. They're, right. they're giving their first four or five more of the reps. But, but I think what Jim Knowles has had to do really is kind of adjust – what he'd like to do to make it suit the skill set of the players that they feel like are the best ones to have on the field. My friend, always a pleasure. I really look forward to seeing you on Saturday. 
The pleasure is all mine, and I look forward to the same. Great one. I bow to you. <laughs> the outstanding Paul Keels, the play-by-play voice of Ohio State football and basketball. We'll come back more in a moment. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. And now we get to the time of the show where. Uh, we call it WMC. Wine, moan, and complaint. <laughs> I thought you were going to go WWMD. No. Or WWMS. What would Matt say? No. Wine, moan, and complaint. It's actually more <laughs> accurate for the segment. I just, it's just my personal opinion. Before I get to that, we did miss an all-important question with Paul Keels that I was just reminded of by a certain someone. How was the chudder? Jeez. Oh, okay. So I explained to Paul, since he does use a putter chipper, he used it on a couple of holes. And I explained to him about the suit and the chudder. And he looks at me, he goes, the what? So he calls it a chudder. Is it any y'all, Paul? Chudder. <laughs> says, yeah. It's a part chipper, part putter, so it's a chudder. He goes, okay. I said, um, I said, I know this is the second time you've used it. I said, um, I said, you know what I admire about your usage of the chipper putter? He says, no. Nah. He says, what's that? He says, well, number one, I said, you always pick a, a great spot, and like with a little higher grass, especially in the Indiana course. Around the greens, there's higher grass. You're like a fringe and an eight, you know. That's why it's ranked the fifth best collegiate course in the country, uh, according to Golf uh, Digest. And and he goes, what's the other part? I said, when you use it, you don't keep statistics. S-U-I-T, that spells suit So I explained to him during the course of the round that he'll use it, and then we have to hear that he's two for four, two for six, <laughs> one for eight. <sighs> uh, he does, right? He does, yes. He gives us stats all the time on the dang thing. <laughs> like, Really? I said, when you use it, I said, I feel like we're having an enjoyable round. He goes, that's my goal. (laughs) And then we had the two of us had, I'm talking about laughs. We had four hours of laughs. Okay. And we were with uh, Brian Bush, who does Michigan basketball. And this on this is the second day, because first day I had Gary Dolphin. I had Mike Grimm. Mike and I were in the cart the whole time. Mike does Minnesota. And Mike and I laughed our backs. It's off for four hours. You know, and Dolph was, was with uh, – Dolph is just such a great guy. Right? Yeah, that's one thing about the, about the group. And Paul's hosting this year. So he's hosting. 
But no, I did not ask him the question about that because I was not going to give you-know-who the satisfaction that somebody else uses it because when I brought it up, he became extremely confused as to what the heck it was. Then when I told him about the statistics, he put it away in the bag for the rest of the day, so I'm not using this. <laughs> Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. <laughs> yeah. So there you are. But, yes, I watched him use it twice. I don't remember what the results were. I think they were pretty good. Um, but, yeah. Now, I know what the results are when the suit uses it. He uses a, mic- a-, a megaphone to tell everybody, I'm two for five. And that includes, like, we didn't use the shot. F-O-U-L-E-D, that spells Falda! I'll never forget, we're playing 11 at Susquehanna Valley Country Club, part three. And I think, I think ironically, it was my drive, but I'm just short of the green. So he takes the chutter out, and he puts it up to within about seven or eight feet of the goal. He goes, that's a good one. He says... I'm three for five. Like what? Like, all right. Then, I, then I was. Ne- it turned out ironically, I was next, and I took out a sandwich and I chipped it to within a foot, tapped in, and I said, "You still three for five? He goes, "No, that was a good shot." I said, "That's an eight foot putt down a hill." <laughs> what are you talking about? I was like, I was like, I'm not so sure we ought to use that one. <laughs> so he even counts it when we don't use it. Oh. You played in the same group with them, you know. I do, yes. Yeah. Drives you nuts. I still see it hit against the 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 bridge on five. Oh, he did that two years in a row. And then the third year, he just missed it. Like by about a foot. Like, God are you kidding me. The problem I have with that with the bridge. First of all, it's hard to hit the bridge because it's railings with a lot of space. Okay, so maybe there's some skill to that. I don't know. But the problem I have with it is the hole is to the right and the bridge is to the left. You know what I mean? Absolutely. The bridge is going over the creek, which is adjacent to the sixth hole. Is it the sixth hole? Three? Yeah. Four? Uh, fifth hole. No, fourth hole. Oh, fifth hole. hole. Yeah, you're right, right, right. Yeah. It'd be the no fourth hole because you play the par three, then you play that one, the fourth. So it's adjacent to the fourth hole. Yeah. So it's the fifth hole going uphill. All right. That's a big time pull. <laughs> it's like, holy mackerel. Maybe I'll ask Donnie if he's ever used a chutter. Does he golf? I don't know. We'll find out. All right. I've asked everybody I know about the chutter, and not every I get confused looks every time I ask. You should have seen the look on Jack's face.